What up, witches? Thanks for downloading this American Horror Story podcast. This is our review for the final episode of American Horror Story Coven, titled The Seven Wonders, where we finally find out who the next Supreme is. This episode is a little long, as our final reviews tend to be, and we have a few announcements for you up front. Um, but first, thanks to all of you for joining us and writing in to us every week. You've made watching this show so much more fun for Tyler and me. Um, so, alright, grab your Balenciaga and let's jump in. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here for this final episode with my stellar co-host, Chris Houston. Woo! What an episode, my friends. That's that's a wrap. Ah, That's so hard to say. It's so hard to say. What a crazy season this has been, my friend. What a crazy season indeed. Very different, I thought, in a lot of ways from the past couple seasons, and I want to talk about that, uh, but very fun in a lot of ways, too. Um, so definitely excited to unravel everything that happened in this final episode with you and kind of discuss the season as a whole. Um, we have so much to talk about. Yeah, but we before do. we begin, a couple notes that I would like to speak to as of right now. Um, first of all, uh, this being our you know final podcast of this season and everything, um, you know, we won't be obviously recording your future comments and questions and stuff on social media uh, anytime soon. However, we will respond to them if you want to send them to us. So please send any question, you know, anything you want to keep. If you want to keep the discussion alive, feel free to email us at this American Horror Story uh, this American Horror Story at gmail dot com and uh, go, you know, join in the community discussions at um, facebook dot com slash this American Horror Story podcast we've actually uh, had some really fun ones going on we had a uh, some debates over who was going to be the next supreme last week and some people got it right i got it right others uh you know try you know uh try to be creative or thought maybe they were trying to deceive us in some ways and so we had some really fun discussion about that and of course go check us out on itunes rate us review us um so we can keep growing the community for next season uh so that's exciting um, <laughs> I I would say on Facebook, uh, we, we put out a post yesterday that just said last chance to get your picks in. Who's it going to be? And about half the people that wrote on uh on our uh, actually more than half, most people picked Cordelia. She and was the dark horse, as someone else. Yeah, <laughs> she was it. And I don't even remember I don't who I picked at that point. I picked a different person every episode, probably. Anyway. I think we both, well, we did both of it for a while. I had thought Zoe for the longest you time. You hella wanted Zoe to be supreme. I don't even know why. It was just like, it, <laughs> she was who I was rooting for for a while. Um, so, yeah, but well, okay, let's wait to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> before we go into our, our, our regular spiel, the last thing we want to say is, you know, this podcast is ending, but it's not our only podcast. Uh, we do another podcast called This House of Cards. For those of you who are uh, big Netflix fans or fans of the show House of Cards, or maybe you have not heard that much about it or just haven't had time to watch it, but uh, 
really should go and check the show out on Netflix because it's fantastic. We do a podcast about that show. Um, we'll be doing another one starting up when the show comes back, uh, which I think is the second week in February. So look for that. Um, we'll post information on our Facebook page. And we are going to be introducing a new podcast, a evergreen podcast that's not related specifically to just the TV shows that um, we'll at least start doing weekly and we'll see where it goes from there, what kind of uh, popularity it has. We'd really love you to come join us so that way we can kind of keep this community going. Um, Running title that we're going to go with is, excuse me, uh, Internet Saved the Video Star. That is going to be our title for our new podcast. Oh my god, Tyler, that sounds like such a cool podcast. What's it about? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris, because Internet Saved the Video Star is essentially going to be about, you know, um, particularly related to Netflix, because that is the one streaming um, st- streaming service that you and I both currently have, although maybe you'll have some access to some other stuff eventually that we can use. But we're going to start with Netflix, and basically the idea is, you know, you're sitting there um, looking at all these different interesting video or movies basically that you wouldn't have watched before when you're just browsing through different movies on you know say netflix and thanks to streaming services like netflix and hulu and all this kind of stuff um these online services are kind of giving movies that didn't particularly enjoy a very successful following in in theaters say or on video they're giving them more a um second chance through streaming services. And so we are going to give them a second chance by watching some of the most obscure shit we can find on Netflix and uh, coming back and breaking it down and reviewing it for you guys on a weekly basis. Um, Should be a lot of fun. I've already started looking, and there's some really bizarre, really fun stuff that we are going to be covering. So I can't wait to dig in. We hope you'll follow us over there. We'll definitely be covering covering horror movies, among everything else. And so... uh, how, you know, American Horror Story fans will feel right at home, um, and we'll do it in the same you know, way. Speaking of, this. shall we start this? Uh, yes. Well, the last thing I was going to say is that podcast will be coming to you the last weekend in February. So we will be posting information on our Facebook page, and we will be uh, posting a little mini—I guess you could call it a mini advertisement—on um, this Facebook or on this podcast feed, giving you exact details when and where to find it. So. Excited for that, and uh, keep your eyes open, and we hope you'll follow us over there. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dig into episode 13, The Seven Wonders. Of course, with our obligatory question, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I got a glass of Merlot. What are you drinking? That is a glass, too. Are you, You're you not even drinking out of a wine glass, are you? That's like a pint oh. glass. It's <laughs> a tumbler. Okay. okay, it's a tumbler. It's not a pint glass. That would be pretty intense. That's for Thursday nights. <laughs> that is true. We're only halfway through the week at this point in time. I am just drinking a um, a, a full sail session lager, so just a little bit of a smooth beer to uh, carry me through this lovely conversation we're about to have. Let's um, do it. So let's dive into Cheers. Seven Wonders. <clears throat> Cheers. So, open. So, uh, Stevie Nicks is on the TV. Holy shit. I gotta, I, I, I mean, I gotta jump in with that. Hot damn, Stevie is back, and she's not only back, but she's singing. Not she's only in is a she music singing, video. It's a music video, basically <laughs> for the song Seven Wonders," which apparently is a Stevie Nicks song. Yes, um, credit to so tight. Uh, 
our friend Megan on Facebook, who pointed out that that is a real Stevie Nicks song. Um, and basically, they make a music video as the intro to this, in which we kind of see all the so-called contestants prepping for Seven Wonders in their own ways. Of course, we see Misty doing the cape twirl, <laughs> the signature cape twirl. Um, Zoe's kind of the bookworm. She's studying up. We see oh, levitating you know, bed. Yes, on a levitating bed. Madison's taking a bath and practicing pyromancy on all the candles. And Queenie's rolling her voodoo dice all over the floor. Uh, so we get a little prep. We get a little song. And that's our whole intro, uh, intro before we Good break luck, right in. Witches. What, what did you think of it? <laughs> I, mean, I loved it. I loved it. When we opened with this, I was like, oh, Lord, if they're, they're going balls to the wall on, this cr- on the crazy level for this episode, I'm all in. This is going to be great. Um, it was... Ch- it was cheesy as shit, but it was I fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was like an eighty '80s music video montage, which is basically what this entire season has been—an yeah, so '80s video be. montage. This is this. That is this entire season in a nutshell. And I will make a bigger case for that at the end of this episode when we're discussing the entire season as a whole. Yep. Um, it was so, so much fun. Way to, I love the way they opened it. So, cheers for that. Cheers for that. And, uh, of course, so we go through the intro. Uh, just another note, uh, Alfonso Gomez Rejon is once again directing this episode. He directed it at least like half the episodes this yeah. season. I finally uh, found one thing I don't really like about his style. I'll, I'll bring it up at some When we point. get there? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, excited to hear. I mean, he does a lot of interesting things with the camera, but sometimes it's a little, I mean, maybe it's too much in some cases. So we can talk about that. Uh, we go straight from, you know, the intro sequence, the credit sequence and everything to, um, Myrtle is plating caviar for what is to be the sort of last supper, last supper of the current coven. And they're even all posed in like, it's very, I mean, Hit you over the head, symbolic. They tell you exactly what's going on. And Myrtle, of course, is sitting in the Jesus position of the table. Which, let's uh, think about how interesting this is. Because later in the episode, she acts as a martyr when she... So she's kind of playing a Jesus sort of role, I guess, in this episode. Um, Cordelia gives a toast to the end of all these girls' childhood. They drink up and... Boom. It's time to hit the Seven Wonders. Time to kick ass. Sunday morning. Time to hit the Seven Wonders. What's the first Seven Wonder we have? Telekinesis. Telekinesis, Telekinesis, Kyle. That's from a Tenacious D song. Um, The girls are all lined up at a table, and they are tasked with pulling a lit candle towards them without touching it with their hands. Um, So pulling it towards them with their minds. Here we see the kind of first hint of weakness in Misty. Yes, she's a little hesitant. She she's she has doubt. Mm-hmm. She is a little nervous. Doesn't feel like she's able to do it. And homegirl does, does it. it. Well, yes, and she does it. And uh, it takes a second, but she does it. All of course, Queenie, Madison, Zoe all do it with ease immediately afterward. Yeah. I love Queenie's response. She she goes second, and she does it. And then she just grabs and goes, yup. Okay, so let's kind of do a play-by-play here. So at this point in time, did you did you have any feeling going into this, like, who you thought, did you feel like they were giving us any hints as to who the Supreme was going to be, or who it wasn't going to be? I think we clearly had, we were supposed to think that Misty was the underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I think we also were supposed to think that Madison was most likely the strongest candidate. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all I really took from it. At least this test. Right. And I, I almost felt like maybe they were Madison being the underdog, was, or, or sorry, Misty being the underdog was kind of a ploy. Like they were trying to make us feel like she was the underdog and then they were going to twist it up on us. Totally. You never know with this show. Mm-hmm. And so interesting that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So next task is mind control. Concilium. Concilium. And we have, you know, Misty makes Queenie slap herself in the face. Yeah. Queenie makes Misty pull her own hair. This was kind of fun. That was um, fun. There was a lot of kind of fun special effects in this episode, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, particularly when we get to the, is it the transmutation? The one where yes. they make them, they kind of zap on themselves all over the place. Um, then, of course, we have kind of the fiery, intense scene where Madison makes Kyle drop the yeah. uh, tray of drinks and come over and kiss her and lick her sh- and, and go down the liquor shoe. And then Zoe, like, brings him up to kiss her. Don't know why you want to taste that nasty boot, Zoe. Well, uh, did he actually lick it, or did he just come close? Oh, well, I, I thought he did. <laughs> it's better. To, I hope he did. <laughs> That's my <what I> day. <laughs> well, I, you know, Madison would be like, "How's my boot taste?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Kyle's also kissed his own mother, and now she's kissing him. So oh. it could be worse. Um. But then, you know, Madison almost has yeah. Kyle strangle her. So it almost made, they're almost kind of hinting at us there, too. Like you said before, that Madison has the strongest power. She's yeah. able to kind of override Zoe's power right there. Queenie and Misty fight physically. Madison and Zoe fight emotionally, clearly. Mm, that's a good point, too. Um, and this is kind of... Uh, obviously, the dynamic we've seen earlier on and the dynamic that kind of carries through... Yeah, I would say I would say part of the climax of this episode. This episode had kind of a few mini climaxes, so this was definitely one of them, um, or at least the beginning of one of them. Um, but then we also see, and this is my my first hint that Cordelia was maybe uh, supreme was when she she flings Kyle across the room and flings him across the room. And we've never seen telekinesis from Cordelia yeah. before. That was absolutely without a doubt when I said, "Okay, it's Cordelia." Clearly, yeah. that's you know they they've set that up. And I was excited about it. I was excited how, you know, I mean, it's been hinted at. It's been foreshadowed maybe a little bit that she was going to come into this type of a position where she'd have to step up. But that once once that happened and we saw her do some type of power besides her potions, that is when I when I knew, okay, it's it's for sure her. Right. Well, because before, you know, she didn't really have any powers and then she only really had the power of the sight thing. Sight. And then... Uh, you know, after her interaction with Fiona last time. I mean, I guess that could, in retrospect, you can see that as more of a hint, too. But lo- let's talk about that when we finally get yeah the real revelation. So, uh, third wonder is the one where they have to go to hell and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we're reminded that, you know, the going there part is the simple part. You just kind of have to say this enchantment or whatever this incantation and it sends you back it's the the returning that's really hard to like pull yourself mentally out of where whatever situation you're in right um misty and zoe are scared and and of course the most important thing is if you don't return before the sun comes up the next day then you're dead so they have this huge sand you know um hourglass to time that so yes misty and zoe are Misty and Zoe, right? Misty and Zoe are scared. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison's kind of a uh, cocky little fuck. And 
we know that Queenie's been there before. Queenie's so been she there, she, done that. She was first one back. She is. She goes back to the chicken place and comes right back. It seems like almost immediately. Um, Madison next is Madison, who we don't get an actual vision of what her hell is. We just find out that she was stuck on. Okay, this was a little bit of a another one of those pop culture stabs they had. Totally, is it, this is the dig to Carrie Underwood. That she, her hell is being stuck on a network not musical. Only, well, okay, they, music. it would be it would be one thing. I I kind of feel like they did should have just stopped this joke at network musical because that was like a little bit like of a subtle jab. But now it's just like beat us over Obvious. the head with your insult yeah. when you say like it was actually sound of music. Plus, and she said she, by the time this this episode airs, it's like those jokes have all been told already. Yeah, a million times on every late night show there was. Yeah. <laughs> but, I I mean, that's what uh, Falchuk and Murphy do. They try to, they're always trying to inject pop culture jokes and references in, so. It was very Madison. Not surprised. It was, it was a very Madison hell, although, I'd like to think that that was her, just her Snyder mark. It wasn't her real hell, because I think that she has some bigger insecurities that never. Which I wish we I... could have explored. I was going to say one of my biggest disappointments, I think, of that character is we didn't really get to explore her insecurities as much as we could have. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Zoe come back. She was in a hell in which Kyle was forever breaking up with her. And so, I was like, come on. You went on like a date and then you shared him. I don't know. Anything dealing with Kyle automatically annoys me. <laughs> I agree. I think that they've certainly developed a connection. I mean, she did bring him back to life. But, yeah. Do yeah. you care about that connection as a as a viewer? That's different. That is a different that is a different question. Um so she comes back, but unfortunately Misty Day stuck is, in science is class. Not coming back. Yeah, walk us through what it, what her hell is, basically. So she's stuck at science class. Some kid's making fun of her. They're dissecting frogs. But Misty's frog, surprise, surprise, is alive. And uh, her teacher comes over, scolds her, says she keeps sneaking in a live one, and says, if you're going to keep doing this, you're going to have to kill this. If you want to dissect a dead one, you're going to dissect a live one. And she has to keep killing this frog. And then it loops back again, and she's bringing the frog back to life. And he comes over and tells her to kill it, and it just keeps repeating and she is clearly tormented by this she doesn't want to kill a living thing she never does and she keeps freaking out and screaming and crying and she's stuck she doesn't seem to be getting any uh awareness that this is hell and this is looped um so then we kind of cut to the time running out on the 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 sand hourglass and uh cordelia just kind of holding misty uh doing some incantation about trying to maybe guide her back her. to to the real world but time runs out and misty turns to ash i think it was ash and kind of just dusts and falls apart kind of like when you kill a vampire in in uh certain shows yeah she just turns to ash and kind of falls apart. away yeah end of the floor um one thing i want to talk about with these hell sequences is Aside from Madison's, I think that each of these kind of shows the character's biggest. Obviously, the point is to show that highlight that character's biggest insecurity or um, what you know what would be their own personal hell. And right. so, st- starting with Misty, what do you think that's supposed to represent? Kind of being in this classroom where she's constantly forced to kill something, innocent. kill and then bring it back to life and kill. Yeah, yeah. I think she's just one of those her her. her... 
I mean, it's it's kind of an attribute as a personality, but she's such a kind person to give life and much more positive than any of the other girls are. Uh, what did you think? I think it's two-pronged. I think the first one is I think the, the kid calls her... A freak. He calls her. He calls her a freak. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Is like she is. You know, she was outcast from her church evangelical group and stuff like that. And that um, you know, she basically has been an outcast all life, living in the swamp and everything like that. So I think she is a little bit of an outsider, and so she already is insecure about being an outsider, and so being pointed out as a freak is part of that hell. And then I think you're right. Being an outsider, what she does connect to is, as we saw with the alligators early on when she brought those back to life, is she connects more with nature than she does with other people, almost, Mm -hmm. it seems. That's why she's a swamp witch. Right, and so, obviously, it's very painful for her to have to kill this animal. You know what sucks, Over and over and over again. Out of all these tests, like, I mean, we'll see later, but, like, if you don't pass a test and all of these other ones, then you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm not it. Bye. Um, this one you die if you don't pass it. That's I think this one should have been last. The last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I think they mixed it up because they needed to get rid of one of them earlier on, unfortunately, and Misty was the one they needed to get rid of uh, to mm-hmm. uh, up the uh, um, the stakes for the rest of the witches. So, mm-hmm. uh, but so Didn't I want to talk about that real quick. Yeah. I'm ask. I know I've got I've got so many questions, so I apologize for jumping in on this again. Going back to Zoe's hell real quickly. What do you think that represents about her insecurities? I thought it was stupid. She's she's a child. That is what it said to me. Like she's her biggest hell is her boyfriend breaking up with I her. Do, Come on, girl. I I agree with that too. But I also think like you have to remember that. Remember she had killed her original boyfriend with her vagina teeth or whatever you know and that was the whole thing that brought her there in the first place kind of when her parents disowned her and so basically she has trouble having substantial relationships and so i think that her relationship with kyle represents one that is like enduring simply i mean if not for the simple fact that she can't kill him with her vagina and so they have this connection and so being kind of disowned by this this other freak uh is you know, isolating in her personal health too. So I, th- I guess I think I feel what they're trying to do with it. I don't know that I. Agree yeah, I, I agree. I see what health. they're trying to do with it. I just never bought into it because Kyle is not a worthy person for her. Yeah, no, you know I, I mean, mean? he's still well, a murderer. Exactly. It, well, exactly, and that's the point is that I agree with you that Kyle screws up the, the whole point of it. Um, and finally, I, I think we talked about Queenie's last time, which is her hell is basically this uh, going nowhere in life. Um, her power is underutilized, you know, people giving her crap all day long, that kind of stuff. Um, not having any family or friends and, and being stuck in Detroit in this dead end job. Um, so Misty dies and disappears. Did you think that this was going to be the end of Misty? Yeah, because she like completely dis- like dissipated. Like she's Her body was gone. I think that must be the reason that they had them turn into ash after this instead of just turn into a corpse because otherwise you could just bring them right back. Yeah. And so I I, I didn't want to believe it, but I kind of did. You know, it, it just seemed like it happened so fast. I thought that they would make it to, like, further rounds than round four or whatever before we lost somebody. Um, or that it would be more dramatic, maybe? I mean, I don't know. But she, yeah, we lost Misty and she's gone. What a waste. So they get over that relatively quickly. Although Cordelia is pretty shooken by it. 
Cordelia is pretty shaken, but the rest of them are kind of like, you know what? No big deal. She lost. Now we must move on. Uh, so they do the transmutation thing, which is like, basically it's like apparating for those yeah, of it's, you it's Harry Potter fans. And they just like shoot themselves from one spot to another. Playing time. Uh, and, and okay, you totally knew something bad was going to happen when they're outside and they're like, and, the, and uh, they were Cordelia, Cordelia and Myrtle are like, you guys need to be careful. And they're like, uh, no, we're just having some fun. What's the worst that could happen? Well, what's the worst that could happen? You, you get impaled on the top of the fence. Again, though, not sure wh- how that happened, but <laughs> that's that's a little unclear to me. Uh, but, but yeah, Zoe know, ends up with a spear off the top of uh, the fence right through her gut. Can't control your transmuting, you know? Um, so that was pretty gruesome. And she's just gurgling up there as Kyle kind of freaks Asks out for help. down below. Uh, and we, so this is, I thought this was probably one of my favorite scenes in which, uh, Cordelia and Myrtle are trying, and Queenie, are all trying to bring back Zoe and, you know, Queenie isn't able to do it. And that's mm-hmm. how they find out that Queenie is not the Supreme. Right. And so they all turn to Madison and try to get her to do it and she won't do it. Yeah. She wants to leave her dead. Even though she knows she could, she won't do it. Very Fiona. Instead... And so they, yeah, and so they say, like, well, how are we, you know, try, almost like trying to trick her into it by, like, poking her ego, like, how are we going to know you're the Supreme if you, you don't do this? And so instead she just kills the fly and brings it back to life. I thought this was, that, that was, was a pretty, pretty great, that was a really good scene and it really embodied kind of what a cold-hearted yeah. witch medicine. Myrtle, Myrtle to Madison was like, you don't deserve to be Supreme. And mm. Madison's like, deserve? What does deserve have to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. I am it. She she is ice cold. Uh, this is the question I have for you. Do you feel like that she was more cold after being brought back to life from the dead? I mean, obviously she was kind of a bitch from the beginning, but I feel like there was parts where we saw her softening a little bit. Um, and like they all kind of seemed like friends. Maybe. Or was that just kind of, you know, flash in the pan? And I think they just wrote her character really differently after she came back i don't I, I didn't really see an evolution of her after she came back she just kind of i don't know it seemed like they were just wanted to make her the mean girl exactly oh yeah she was stere- you know stereotypical mean girl and so let's talk about this right now then um i when we talked about how we feel you know her ba- background wasn't explored we had this really intense scene off the bat was it in? It was in episode one, right? Where she gets essentially like gang raped by these college dudes, like these frat Files guys, buddies, right? And she flips the bus and everything, and like has a really intense moment. I mean, that, super intense moment. Something very emotionally charged and everything like that that you think would, I mean, and may, you know, maybe part of her hard, hard, hardness of personality can obviously yeah. be attributed to that. But we see her at her most vulnerable right there, yeah. And her and Zoe kind of forge a. Friendship. Uh, companionship after Zoe sexes that guy to death. Yeah. And then they it's... become f- enemies. Right. And then... I didn't like that. I don't know. The, the dynamic between the, the Zoe and Madison, the way that evolved, was a little... I mean, again, not... The, there's two points to this, too. One is, you would assume that they would become friends or there'd be some type of a bond just because narrative arcs go that direction, usually. Because, mm-hmm. you, you, you know... A story happens when a character changes from point A to point B. Madison didn't really change that much, as we learn in the end. Zoe kind of changes. 
their relationship looks like it's going to become something stronger and then it goes right back to being shitty. That being said, that's also what American Horror Story does a lot. It's like they think you're 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 they're, they're, they they think that they can string you along and lead you down this trope of a of a of a storyline and then boom, it's actually not going to be that at all. It's going to be stupid or shitty or scary. And the, not with, what you expect. You know, and with maybe the moral that people don't change as easily as we like to think, you know, that people who we talked about this earlier in the season, people are who they are at their center core, and that's just how things go. We talked about this in terms of Fiona. Yep. Uh-oh. Everything okay over there? I gotta change my battery. <laughs> okay. Sorry. We can keep talking about I swear that was your fire alarm or something like that. <laughs> let's, let's pretend it is, and then we're gonna just continue podcasting through the fire in your building because we're that badass. Well, we I guess I'm not. It doesn't really. I'm not much of a badass. Yeah, I'm I am. Here, here, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. So okay, so Zoe dead. We have this, but I like I said, I think this was one of my favorite scenes we might have seen in Madison in. In the entire series, I would say, or in the entire season, I would say, this might be my favorite Madison moment, is like, if you're going to embody this character in a single scene, I mean, I almost feel like we could have only had this scene of her, and it would have been enough, frankly. Um, I don't know, I, I thought that she was really great, and that that whole fly thing was really smart. Yeah, she, she um, even though her character doesn't do that much depth-wise, emotionally, um, Emma Roberts handled the sassiness of a of a spoiled little celeb- celebrity girl pretty well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> if she, whether or not she has experience with that, who's to say? Um, her and Evan Peters, by the way, just recently got engaged, I want to say. What? Um, really? Like in, in the last week. And this is just mo- like months after I think she like broke his nose when they Beat were on up. set recording this. <laughs> yeah, when she, she got called in for assault after beating him up. So... We'll see where their relationship goes. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I'm assuming at least one of them will be back next season. I think they're going to make it. <laughs> You're a romantic. <laughs> so, Cordelia and Myrtle are basically in a room lamenting about how sad it is that uh, Madison is, they, th- they think, the Supreme. And that maybe the Coven just deserves to die out if Madison's their only hope because she's just going to be another Fiona, if not worse. Right. And then we have Myrtle make this um, revelation, basically. And I think her line here is, How true is it that a prophet is never recognized in his own country? And this is her her way of saying that she believes that... She didn't see it at first, but she thinks that Cordelia is... Um, the next Supreme. Now, I wish that there was something here that Cordelia... Do you, was there something that you felt Cordelia did that signaled this to her? Because it almost seemed like this kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. It came out of conversation is what I all I really took out of it, but I forget the words that were actually said. Did Cordelia say something that made it hint that she was going to be the next one? Don't remember. I don't know. I I was. It'd be, I wish that there's some... I feel like they could have put some little signs in here, like maybe Myrtle... Uh, notices when Cordelia, you know, uses telekinesis on Kyle or something like that. Yeah, that would have been easier. 
but it seemed a little bit out of nowhere to me, like a little bit of a random re- revelation. Also interesting that, again, we have Myrtle, who is kind of playing this Jesus figure, talking about being a prophet, although she is talking about it in terms of Cordelia, Cordelia instead yeah. of herself. Um, so Myr- Myrtle tells Cordelia that basically she thinks she has the power to be a supreme and thus should conduct the Seven Wonders. And so we start with pyromancy. Cordelia lights the candle. Then we see she just kind of does a real breakneck version of all the seven wonders. She lifts the piano with telekinesis. She's balling. She goes down. And Madison's like, ooh, girl. Madison's a little, obviously a little intimidated at this point because, you know, she thought that she was just playing against her fellow students that were her same age and everything like that. And she had totally annihilated them. Um... So then Cordelia goes to hell, which this was really funny when I watched it on my end. I don't know if it worked the same for you, but there's a commercial immediately after like she passes out to go to hell. And so I, I was like, oh, she's going to her hell. And then what pops up is that a was it the Jameson movie trailer? Commercial? Oh, no, no it, was a mo- it was a movie trailer for a Vampire Academy that new oh. movie coming out. And I was like, <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, that's Cordelia's hell is Vampire stupid, Academy. That stupid show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really funny. I don't know if anyone else had Blood is family. <laughs> yeah, I forget what she said. Yeah. Oh, God. The yes, show looks she does awful. Say that. It does look really bad. Um, but I just, I just thought that was a funny coincidence. But of course, she brings herself out of it. Her hell is we, 2002 when vampires were cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the beginning of Twilight. Um, but we find out that I would. Okay, so we find out that her hell is trying to get Fiona's approval, and then like surprise, surprise, like, just there. and just getting bitch slapped or something. Like basically ignored. I when this happened at first, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see it because I was I thinking, agree. well, this would be a perfect. This would have been a perfect opportunity to see Fiona one more time. But of course, I think the reason they didn't do it is because we see her we come save back. Save her, yeah. That being said, um, I agree that like the, like some of the other tests they could have happened a little bit quicker, uh, because spending time in these people's personal hells would have been fascinating uh, as a character exposition on a little background. Again, though, it is coming a little late in the season for us to care enough about it. But it still would have mm-hmm. been interesting to at least get a quick glimpse. Like we saw Queenies, but we've seen Queenies like five times. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting to see uh, Madison's. It would have been Zoe's. interesting to see Madison's. And I think that if I was going to do Misty's, and I, I mean, I think I, I think that was a good one. I I don't have any serious arguments against what they did with hers, but I would have liked to see something with that church group that ultimately burned mm-hmm. her in the beginning. Because I kind of feel like the premise for her was that she was a part of this really religious community, yeah. and she finds her powers, and they completely disown her. They kind of so, they kind of lost their way with Misty as a character in this season, a little bit. And I mean, I, you could say that about a few different characters. Yeah, guess, but that's I, true. It, it would have been. I think that would have been cool is seeing something with her like getting right. You know, it would have tied it together. It, falling out of this church community or something. Yeah, it would have kind of done a full circle back to the beginning. Right. Um, and it would have been a witch. You know, being burned in this. Excuse me. In this hell would be a hell or a burning that she wouldn't be able to revive herself from. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So I agree with you. I think that they, it would have been nice to spend more time in that. And yeah, and then go to Fiona's hell as well. But she comes back and then she does the transmutation really quickly. You know, she zaps herself from one place to another. And then we, so like, now Madison's back in the mix. They're, you know, each of them can do five of the seven. So they have the last two left. Or no, Madison's done six of the seven because she's done everything with divination because we already right. know she can do pyromancy. 
Um, whereas Cordelia's only done five of the seven. Five of the point. seven. She has to so do the bring people back. Bring to life. people back to life. So they do the divination, which is basically um, uh, like you know, like what you were just saying before. It's like what, when you look at like the, tell the future from tea leaves in the bottom of a cup, or like you're able to hold an object and read its future. Which I guess you could almost say is kind of the power that Cordelia already had um, when she like touched people and was yes, able to that's channel point. them. Oh, very good point. Yeah, totally. So she almost kind of already had that divination power, um, and she does it super easily. You know, they pour out these. Rocks are they jewels, beads, and they ask her to find like using those, you know, read in the stones where this object is that belonged to a famous supreme. And she, it's like a a brooch or something that's like under a wardrobe upstairs, yeah, it's like like some obscure second floor, first room, second drawer, nightstand to the left, or something like that. (laughs) She knew it, and then uh, right, she knows it right away. And on the other hand, we already know Miss or Madison is like totally intimidated by this because she kind of is already freaking out and says this is stupid i already know i'm the supreme why do i have to do this um and she just basically guesses in her turn and totally gets it wrong and queenie takes so much uh throughout this whole process i want to say that queenie took so much um happiness and knowing it wasn't madison that part where she's like dancing in the background when uh cordelia is doing her transmutation or something oh no you know what that was no, when what Cord- was that? When Cord- no, that was Cordelia doing the concilium, the mind control with Queen. Oh, she was oh, making she was doing her it? exercise. Oh, okay. I didn't so even pick funny. up on that. Yeah, she was I didn't her even exercise. Pick up. Oh, I knew I missed one of her once. I was like, why is she doing that dance in the background? That's weird. No, she just must be happy. Oh, good that's, pickup. That's why uh, Cordelia is like giggling because she's yeah. <laughs> She's doing that makes so much more sense. I am an idiot, but that is awesome. <laughs> Um, and so anyway, Madison, Madison can't figure it out. Freaks, yeah, can't figure it out. Freaks out, calls everyone a cheater, and says she's going to head to Hollywood and basically expose everybody for what they are. Basically, she's just going to be a real bad sport about it. Yeah, and uh, start like almost like a new band of witch hunters. Well, I don't know about witch hunters, but just basically expose them. She says something about you know bringing back a crowd with pitchforks at the door. Yeah, but she like, did say TMC. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. and metaphorical pitchforks, which yeah. I guess in this modern day case would be you know, look at those freaks in social media, right? So she goes upstairs and starts to pack her crate, and we kind of have these two scenes simultaneously. She starts to pack her crate to leave when Super Strength Kyle comes up and is pissed that she didn't bring Zoe, Zoe back. back to life and starts choking her. So, biggest question here, obviously, is why did she not use telekinesis to throw Kyle across the room? Or or light him on fire. Yeah, exactly. Or mind control him like she did earlier. Or light him on fire. Or any... Exactly what I wrote down, dude. I have no idea. She clearly is stronger than this guy. I don't know why she didn't just, like, use something to get him off of her. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and make an excuse for it because... Lazy writing. I don't want to do that. I am going to go ahead and say it has something to do with the fact that he's enchanted and that he's not like a normal person and that, yeah, she was able to control his mind, but he was so distraught over the lo- like losing Zoe that that like, gave him extra power or something like that, and so he wasn't able to be mine. I don't know. It, no, it, it no, like bullshit. no, no, no. It is no, bullshit. No. You're right. I can't give him a pass on that. I, didn't, that, <laughs> I like that, was that you tried, though. That was a hole in the story, so I agree with you, too. But so... Madison here, as she as he's choking her, says that she trying to get Kyle to stop. Says she loves him, um, but he he tells her 
you know what? You're a really bad actress. And he, he, so he obviously thinks she's bullshitting and kills her. Did you think she was bullshitting? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. Me too. I don't think she actually loved him. I don't think she deserved she... to die, but... <laughs> well, but Kyle didn't really seem to think that stuff through too much. Uh, he has all his other functionality back, except for the fact that he goes in, into Hulk mode and kills people <laughs> yeah. on a whim when he gets upset. Uh, downstairs as this is happening as he chokes the life out of Madison Madison, Cordelia breathes life back into Zoe so we kind of see the full circle of life the good hearted girl comes back to life and the bitch dies so you know yin, yin and yang there you have ba- the balance of spirits in the world even though I don't think Madison was ever that evil and I don't think no. Zoe was ever that good they both yeah. killed people. <laughs> they did, but, you know, at least Zoe cared about the coven, and she saved Nan out with the chainsaw and stuff like that, whereas... Yeah, Madison also got gang-raped. <laughs> she did. She did get gang-raped, but she didn't really do anything else for other people. But, yeah, I feel bad for her. I mean, obviously, that was intense shit, and so I think we can blame a lot of her residual problems on that very hideously traumatic yeah. experience she went through in the first episode. So I think she pretty much has a, a past to be as much of a bitch as she wanted to for the rest of the season. So you're right. She didn't really deserve to die. Um, clearly she, she has already gone did through... die. Right. Yeah, she's gone through more than enough shit, I think, this season. Um, so Zoe's back. Cordelia's done all of the powers, so she's now the new... Supreme. And she's healthy. Her eyesight. Her eyes are back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she brings her eyes back. That's like a part of her new supreme powers, I guess. that I think that's like what we get to demonstrate that now she's, you know, totally. she's officially the supreme. She's past the seven um, wonders. So now she knows that she has the power to pretty much do anything. So she gives herself new eyes. Although well, we know there's limits to like adjusting your physique because i mean fiona yeah. can only do it so much no she said like there's a voiceover that says remember when they looked at when they were talking about madison possibly being it and she had the heart murmur like a the supreme is a person of pristine health so i think be, once she finished the seventh wonder she got like she became 100 percent healthy again mm-hmm. meaning her eyesight came back because she was a supreme do they ever address her infertility? I know that her and Fiona talk about it at the end, but I don't remember if they talk about that as, as being no. a weakness I mean, for maybe her. she could have a baby now. <laughs> or maybe, you know, maybe it was... Here's an interesting theory that we could throw out there, is maybe it had nothing to do with her at all. Maybe Hank, like, had a vasectomy or something like that because he intentionally didn't want to put another witch into the world, and so he was just fucking with her the entire time. <laughs> Maybe. I think that's a fun theory, so I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, that's how that's how Brad and uh, um, Ryan Wright just throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that, so <laughs> I wish they would have thrown that line in there somewhere. Um, so well, we also have this 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 little scene between Kyle and Spalding, which I don't even really want to. I don't know what all, all I want to think. Yeah, all I want to say it, is Dennis O'Hare is back to bury bodies again. That's what he does in these shows. Exactly, and I think it was that last send off to Spalding, um, which frankly I could have done with no send off to Spalding and one last revisitation to 
um, Marie Laveau and Madame Laurie, yeah. Laurie, who didn't get any love in this episode, which was too bad because they were so fantastic this season. Well, it, it was quite a disappointment. I also found it weird that Spalding wanted to bury her this time, and previously he wanted to keep her as a doll. I, why, why? Exactly. Uh, I thought that was the whole reason he was back, because he was going to take her back upstairs exactly. to put her in his dollhouse again. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, then we have... Uh, um, oh, so I do want to say one more thing about that. You know when Kyle asks who he is and he says, basically, I'm the help? I think that was also supposed to be like the handing over of the role. Because the next thing we see is basically Kyle wearing the Spalding outfit of mm-hmm. the tuxedo with the bow tie. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the passing of the torch from the old help to the new help in the house as well. Yeah. I think it's the other part of that scene. So anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Go on to the next. Oh, no, I was just saying, then we have Sarah Paulson back uh, doing interviews, which is what she does in uh, these uh, seasons for American Horror Story. At the, in You're the, right. In that's that final episodes. She, that's funny. That is how she ended episode 13 of um, Asylum. Asylum as well. And basically she's... She brought T- you know TMZ and all the cameras you could say to the house, but for po- in a positive way because yes. she's using it as a um, she's basically setting up uh, Open Academy, kind of like uh, the X Men Academy, where like she's uh, right. having people send all their you know distraught or misfit children, all the all the misfit witches to come join the new coven so they can pack it and trying to give it a good name and everything like that, and she has her own. Phone number and an email address that's like Cordelia at RubbishShotAcademy.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you going to email it? <laughs> we have to. Yes. We have to. We have Someone to. has to. We are totally going to email it. Are you it. going Let's to email uh, your resume? To see if you I'm can going get to, it. Well, we're, we're both males, and I think it's an all-girls school, so. Oh, that's sexist. Well, maybe you could have a sequel in which you dress up like a girl, and it could be a comedy like... Uh, oh, that show that died really quickly, as it should have. G- the one on HBO? The G- Oh, no. Which girl? show are you talking about? Oh, no. There, no, there's a show where these two guys dressed up as girls. It lasts there's like a million, an episode. There's a million shows like that. There was also that White Chicks movie with the Wayans brothers. Uh, so I think... Yeah, you could take any one of a million examples of that. But, um, yeah, so she has the cheesy phone number and the email address. I also thought that it was a little cheesy how they put in the crawl feed on there. Um, uh, what did it say? Something about Liza Minnelli's hip. Oh, yeah, coming up next. Uh, one thing I did want to point out is in her little uh, interview here, she she gives a lot of – she does a lot of uh, speaking about um, it's not a choice to be a witch. Um you can't a lot of people try to resist it but it's part of mm. it is who you are uh she stopped short of saying born this way <laughs> um, so a lot of like lgbt absolutely language absolutely yeah and then she said you know we're just targets for the ignorant and that, i, I mm-hmm. took that as a heavy uh mm, yeah um, conversation on the lgbt uh q oh yeah that was i think that's an excellent point that probably was uh what Ryan Murphy and Felchuk were trying to hit right there as well. I also wanted to note that in the background during this whole lot of, or at least there's one point in the conversation where they cut the camera perfectly so that way you see Fiona, the portrait of Fiona in the background. I love that. Yeah, she's that was talking, great. Like she's watching over everything and where it is now. Right. Um. <clears throat> so next we have a real. Uh, a, this might be my, one of my least favorite scenes of this episode, in which 
Myrtle approaches Cordelia to essentially insist upon her own Burning. death, the clearing the rot of the past. But if that is the case, you could also say the same for both Queenie and uh, Zoe, who have participated in murders of people. I mean, I guess neither... Did either one of them actually murder another witch? I guess neither one murdered another witch, but they have killed people. Yeah. I don't think they killed witches. I can't think offhand if either of them have, no. People, yes. Mm. Yeah, but not witches, maybe. Yeah. So maybe that was the distinction there. Um, but, it, it, you know, Myrtle says that in order to not be smudge her name, that, or for Cordelia not to be smudge her name, that she needs to kill Myrtle, which it's like, what witches are even left to accuse uh, Cordelia of anything, but, you know. So she gets burned at the stake again. Two uh, Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac, which was awesome. I loved that. Mm. And she's looking phenomenal and fabulous and whatnot, dressed for her burning. Uh-huh. And so she goes through this whole martyrdom that we kind of talked yep. about, the symbolism for that earlier. And her last word is... I don't know. What was it? I couldn't tell. I wrote down. What was it? Her last word was Balenciaga, which is a dis- fashion designer. I did not know that myself. Oh. My girlfriend <laughs> told me that. <laughs> I couldn't understand what she said. She shouted it so loudly. I was like, what? What was that? I know. I didn't know what it said either. And so I was like looking on Twitter to try to figure it out. And I think my girlfriend was like, oh, I think she said Balenciaga. which That is, is a, awesome. Oh. It's like, okay, it's a French fashion house. Um, they do like purses and all sorts of different things. Um, and so... Even though Myrtle was surprisingly a little boring this episode, for, which never really happens, and even though she was boring, boring for Myrtle, I should say, uh, she's still that. That's awesome. I'm glad she she needed to go out big like that. Even though it's kind of weird that she would want to, you know. Why? That's what I say. Why did did you think she needed to go out, or was that tired? well? She wanted to make like she she was doing it to make sure that Cordelia wouldn't have any blemishes on her record and if she started off and found out and people found out that her you know surrogate mother was the person who killed off the other half of the council <laughs> they would be like this this you know Cordelia is not worthy of being the supreme and people would be after her so i think she was just trying to give Cordelia a clean slate a fresh start i agree yeah. with that too but yeah but it was a cool scene, though. It <laughs> was very I cool. I like the music yeah. And, yeah. and everything. And then, of course, we have uh, perhaps the biggest surprise of all of the episode, which I was hope I'm glad this happened because there needed to be something oh, yeah. else. If it had just ended right here, I would have been really pissed. Um, of, you know, there's a line of girls waiting outside to come in, and, you know, they're getting ready to open the doors when Cordelia says she has business to deal with real quickly. Uh, goes downstairs to the sitting room, and who does she find there but Mama Fiona, who is still alive. Um, she, I thought maybe at first that she like somehow was brought back from the dead or something, but we find out that she never died in the first place. She had just ran off to Paris and staged her own death with the Axeman. Mm-hmm. Um, she put something in his brain I, did you understand that yeah whole... she planted a memory in him so when uh um cordelia went to like touch him to see what happened when he said it's, oh. it's fiona's blood all over me she she would see that memory um that mm. the axman had even though it was not a real one right i see okay so that's she was playing the memory in him that makes a lot of sense also that her spitting into his mouth disgusting, disgusting. um 
But so she really did. I thought that that was going to be like, oh, she really did love him, and they are going to, you know, it, she somehow helped him survive, and he wasn't really dead. But no, she really didn't give a shit about him, and just had him killed off and used him as a pawn. So well, I think she did love him. I think she just it didn't pan out the way. I don't know. I I mean, well, she knew she was dying, so yeah. she knew that like. That relationship wasn't going to be well. Now, now she's in with eternity with him. Which, um, well, let's hold on. Let's yeah. see when we're talking about that. Uh, so, I want to say though that I was surprised how intensely, like, you know, Jessica Lange is. You know, we see her in award shows and stuff like that. And for her age, she's a very beautiful woman for her age. And they really did her up kind of gnarly right here with her hair falling out and, like, how quickly she aged. Which we we don't know what the time span was between when they're doing these interviews and all these girls are lined up and, you know, Cordelia finishes The Seven Wonders. There has to have been, like, at least a six-month span or, or something like that, right? There, ha- there has to been some time frame where they came out to all the world and the world accepts that there's witches and these girls get sent to I don't the school. Think so I don't know. I think it was kind of quickly actually. Maybe like like a week or two. I mean cuz they burn they burn Myrtle and then she goes and asks um Zoe and Queenie to be the new council. And then I I, I think it's I don't know. I, I would say like maybe like 2 or 3 weeks. It Maybe you're right. Maybe it was that quickly. It seems like it would have taken more effort for them. To, oh, it like, should have. Yeah, get, but get everyone used to the idea of witches being up yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but so you know. Uh, but basically, you know, so much life has been taken out of Fiona at this point, just because Cordelia has grown in power. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest. I didn't know whether or not. Fiona was going to try to kill Cordelia. Oh, I, I was, agree. There was I was torn there. this whole time. I even like up until the very last second, I thought it was a possibility. Me too. Um, the knife was but they there. have her. It, the knife was there. You know, the gun on the mantle, as mm-hmm. Dostoevsky would say, um, or is that Chekhov? One of them. Some Russian writer would say. Uh, so Fiona has the line about. Some really good lines here that say a lot about their relationship. Yeah. One of them being um, to Cordelia, you took my power the, the minute I gave birth to you. Um, a woman becomes a mother and she can't help but see her mortality. So we kind of see the root of the difficulties in their relationship. It wasn't that Why she they didn't never like Cordelia. It was just that, yeah, she didn't like how Cordelia made her feel human when she wanted to live forever. Yeah, exactly. She was so vain and all this different stuff. Um, She does say, I loved you in my own way, even though it it wasn't the way you wanted it to be. mm -hmm. And Cordelia says that Fiona reminded her of her own worst fears. Right. And that she tells Cordelia that Cordelia looked for motherhood in her her own special way. Mm -hmm. Which was being mother to all the uh, witches at the academy. Yeah, and so in turn she she's the mother of many. In the end of at the end of the day, yeah. Oh, which which she she was pretty crappy before. So I hope she's better now. I hope she's a much better teacher now yeah. that she has better powers. I think she will be. Also, she that's what Fiona says. She's like, "You'll be a much better supreme than I was, but you won't look half as good." Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, they really did Cordelia. Stephanie and I were talking about this. They really did Cordelia up to look um, 
much more like or they did just, Sarah Paulson Fashion a little bit much more like and... well but also more like Jessica Lange like her hair is blonder and like the way they kind of did her makeup and stuff yeah. is similar like she looks she looks a lot more like Jessica Lange at but the end here she also got costumes. a little bit of that Stevie Nicks with the flowy bohemian uh, dress that they put her in oh yeah she's yeah, kind yeah, of this did. fusion of all of them maybe <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well and, and that would make sense because she's like kind of you know seeps power from everybody um, and so up until the end, you know, we're not sure. Oh, so, so we get this line from Viona that you were the monster in every one of my closets, which we kind of knew that when we talk about her own personal hell and stuff like that, which again would have been a really interesting scene to see. Um, Fiona grabs the knife on the table, wants Cordelia to kill her. I thought that she was maybe still playing Cordelia and was going to stab her I, in the back. I agree. I thought, I thought that Fiona was going to stab Cordelia. But, but then when she grabs, and... yeah, when she cries and when she grabs her with both arms and she's like clearly like being held up by Cordelia, then I was like, okay, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then you know, basically Cordelia helps usher her into death. Death. Mm-hmm. She says, "Yeah, the only way out of this is through. You got to let the fear in that you're gonna die, <laughs> and then you got to let she... it go." And she dies right in Cordelia's arms. That was kind of sweet. Um, it was kind of sweet. Do you like how that relationship ended, the closure here, or would you have preferred it if Fiona stabbed Cordelia? Not a lot made sense on how Fiona went up and down with killing people, wanting to take people out and then wanting to bring them back in and wanting to take them out and, and then the loving Fiona, or I'm sorry, loving Cordelia again. It, it, it was just kind of so inconsistent with her character. I didn't know, I never really knew. Maybe that was intentional, that you never know what her true motivation is. But of course, you know me, man. We've watched so many movies and TV shows together. Of course, I wanted a reconciliation between the mother and daughter. I was hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so you, we have this major conflict resolved. And I'm going to go ahead and say the exact opposite. And I wanted Fiona to kill Cordelia and throw a wrench into the whole system because I thought that would be classic American horror story. To take you on like this classic trope of like a mother-daughter reconciliation. Boom, knife in the back. Fiona's supreme still. And it would turn everything on its head. And a lot of people would be super pissed. People would be so pissed. Would have been, They'd be like, we're back, be back where we pissed. started. Exactly. But with everyone dead and now Fiona is supreme forever. Which I think would have fit her character. Because I think her character was kind of like... You know. So she she eventually found her compassion, I guess. But I didn't think she was ever going to. And I think that might have been more fitting of the character. Yeah. Because she, the message kind of seemed to be, yeah. you know, some people just never change. Yeah, she never redeemed herself, that's for sure, but she definitely at least understood and had a and and had um her daughter understand why things were the way they were between themselves. One of the biggest I and mean, what we're about to talk about now, one of the biggest themes in this uh season is you know, you have to pay for what you've done as mm-hmm. we saw with uh Lalaurie as we saw with Laveau, and as we see with Fiona Good. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's talk about uh, Fiona's Eternity. personal hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. The irony of it being that it was, I mean, not that long, and just a few episodes ago, she she must have been faking it, but she seemed really excited about the prospect of living on a farm with the X-Man and like, oh, relaxing for... I thought she was talking shit about it. I thought she was like, could you imagine me doing that? Ha ha ha. I would never do that. 
I thought that she was kind of saying like, can you imagine me a farm girl? Like, you know, it's hard for me to imagine, but that would be a really relaxing life if I was there with you. But that was back when I thought that she actually loved him. Mm -hmm. So clearly she was just shitting him the whole time. Um, But she wakes up on the farm and it actually looks kind of pleasant, really. And he brings home a fish to cook. And she has, basically, you know, she's just so used to the glamour lifestyle. Even though she she looks good, she looks young and, or... Healthier. You know, young and healthy. Um, So at least she's got that going for her in the afterlife. She's stuck on this farm in the middle of nowhere with uh, her former lover, the Axeman, for eternity. And gets in a little bit of a tussle, and he caresses her, and she's... Helpless, basically. She has no powers anymore, so she can't ward him off. And in the background, we see good old Papa Legba. Chuckling. uh, Chuckling. So, you know, we've talked about all the other personal hells and what they really mean. I mean, what what makes this Fiona's ultimate hell? You answer that. You're asking me all these questions. What do you think it is? Why? Well, I mean, so much of her existence has been tied to material wealth, to... um, well, when, and also, like, when you're super vain, like she is, th- being vain like that means that you see yourself through others, you know? It's like your self-value is whether or not people find you young and attractive. And so if the only person she's stuck there with is the Axeman who already is in love with her and she doesn't have these other people to kind of impress. refract herself through mm-hmm. and impress, then she isn't getting the satisfaction from that anymore. <clears throat> she doesn't have all these famous buddies to hang out with anymore in the middle of nowhere. I mean... Yeah, it's just not. It's not glamorous. It's she's not eating fancy foods. It's she's going to be playing housewife, and also she has been this kind of pillar of strong women all all this season. You know, she doesn't have a man in her life. She has always been the one in control, and here all of a sudden she is uh, in this role of like housewife basically for eternity, in which she is forced. She doesn't have any powers, so she's kind of, as we see from the X Men, strong handed into. This role of diminutive, diminutive women, which completely doesn't fit her. So that's, I mean, I guess that's my interpretation. Yeah, I agree. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So pretty intense ending, and it was nice to see Papa Legbo one more time. It was nice I still, to see him. I still think he was the creepiest thing, potentially, this whole season, and I wish we'd gotten to see him do some more creepy stuff. Yeah. And last scene, I guess, of the entire season um they open the doors at miss rubbish house to all the new students um and cordelia gives a speech on the stairs about how it's the witch's time to thrive and then and we one little witch says what's the supreme and then queenie gives the tough you're looking at her and then we find our final shot is the shot of um Cordelia kind of with this smile growing on her face like she's she's loved this new role that she stepped into she finally feels comfortable in the role which is kind of the role she's had she, the entire time and she always wanted yeah not that but not, she just never not supreme specifically but just to have that confidence and, and that motherly and role that, exactly yeah. exactly and I think that she couldn't do that as long as Fiona was around Right. Um, and she lacked confidence and self-assurance and all this different stuff that she was able to get from becoming Supreme. Totally. So now, of course, we have a lot of overall thoughts. I mean, we've talked about a lot of them through this episode. But, excuse me, it's definitely worth recounting. Your overall thoughts on, first of all, the end of this episode. 
um, any loose ends that you feel like weren't tied? Uh, anyone you wanted to see again that we didn't feel we did? I mean, we already talked about Laveau and Lalaurie. We didn't get to see Nan again. No Nan back. No Nan. I was surprised. A little bit of. I thought we'd see. A little disappointing. We saw a photo yeah. of her. That's true. Maybe that was the closest <laughs> we got was a photo of her. Yeah, there. I, I mean, I could go on a list about the uh, basically li- if you named half the characters, I think there's a lot of loose ends that just never clo- had enough closure for me, and it didn't even have to be closure, but it just had to have a purpose that I didn't see where it was going. Like the neighbors, uh, I think I think Misty's trajectory got kind of lost and. I mean, she had kind of. She was one of the more interesting, compelling characters for the first half of the season, and then once she got to the school, it was kind of. She kind of just did stuff and floated around and twirled, and I don't know. They, they I don't. I don't think they knew what to do once she got to the academy. Um, Spalding, I, that was weird, and Kyle, I didn't like that. I. I don't know, I'm making it sound really negative right now. I had so much fun this season. I had so much fun. It was it was it was whimsical, it was silly, it was it was uh snarky, it was it, visually it was beautiful and fun, but uh if I'm talking from a clear storytelling perspective here, it was lacking with a lot of the characters. Uh I would love to have seen Laveau and Lalaurie one more time. I don't know. I, 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 this is a very coherent uh, answer for you, but no, no, I, no, I appreciate. I think that you went right into what I wanted to talk about, which was basically overall thoughts on the season. And so, uh, well, so you, we've kind of talked a little bit about you know some of the things you thought were more um, you didn't like as much. Who do you think was this season's MVP when we talked? Francis Conroy, hands down. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, I agree with you actually. She, I, I would say that I think really think that the. Older, more experienced actresses dominated in this season were by far the best. Yes. And Jessica Lange, Frances Conroy, um, Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett, and Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates were the four best actresses. Totally, and I, I could have just I could have watched a whole season of just the four of them and left out yeah. all the younger girls because yeah. just comparatively they were on such a. I mean, they were just on such a transcendent higher level as far as acting went that it, it doesn't even compare yeah. for me i would have been um, happier if they had more. left out like kyle as a love interest and or his character completely and then just made zoe madison and queenie and nan kind of these like background supporting characters and not peripheral kind of our, characters yeah not our narrative arc from you know meeting zoe in the beginning to you know, taking us through this magical world. It would have been much more fun if we had stayed with the older ones. And I understand why they did that with Zoe. It's because they, like, we were brought into Miss Robichaux at the same time as Zoe was. was. Yeah. So we got, like, the whole inter- introduction of what, like, the witch world was like and all this kind of stuff. So I understand the device used there, but yeah. I absolutely agree with you that I think that they should have stayed more background and that the other ones, I mean, we could have spent even more time with, right. you know, Fiona Cordelia. Right. Um, and I would say Sarah Paulson... Uh, it was more in the middle for me between those, but I think she edged more to the higher. Yeah, she definitely especially edged the more end. to the higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yes. Yeah, so, um, that being said, though, I think Angela Bassett was kind of wasted a little bit. Like her storyline as like the head of, you know, the voodoo witches was interesting at first, and then the whole battle between her. I, I don't know. Angela Bassett, I think, could have been a better, better utilized as a character. 
I don't think they knew. There's what to more do with they could have done with her. I I agree 100. There's more they could have done with her and Legba because like yes. we could have seen Legba past scenes of like yeah. So we could have seen that. We could have seen more of him too, and kind of seen um, maybe in the. It would have been nice if she had like been able to enact some sort of revenge on him in the end for taking her baby or something like that. That would have been cool. Yeah. What happened to that baby? We, oh, that's right. Well, Spalding had it. Spalding is Spald. Spalding is raising him in the attic as a ghost or something oh, like that, which Lord. is kind of terrifying. Maybe that's a follow-up. But uh, so I agree with you absolutely. Um, I also think that there was what I consider to be a waste of space this season. That we're like we talked about this. I think last episode too, where there was just like excess fat on this season that could have been mm-hmm. cut away, and we could have focused more on the better storylines. And those excess fat was the Kyle storyline, and the Axeman storyline, and the Spalding story. Oh, really, all the men were complete wastes. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought here. The and, and well, even the witch hunters to some yeah, extent I was too. Say what they do is they introduce in this season they introduce like someone as a villain and then that villain is dispatched of or changed in some way in like two episodes and then we are introduced to a bigger villain or a different villain. Uh, and Patty Lapone and the neighbors too fit that same yeah. bill. And then they're gone and, in a few episodes and then the witch hunters come in and they're gone in a few episodes and then Marie Laveau becomes, you know, I don't know it. I didn't. I, there was no like kind of like main ultimate thing in the end, like we had an asylum or in Murder House, where the goal was to get the f out of the house or the asylum. And I mean, I think maybe part of it was like uh, they those were all red herrings, you know, yeah, and to throw you off the path a little bit, which they certainly did. I mean, we were thrown off the path all the way to the end right. about who the next supreme was. But and obviously, where the whole season was going. That was the main. That was the main storyline that we were supposed to care about the entire time was who's the next supreme, which we cared occasionally and we asked about it a lot but by the end of it i was like jesus i don't care anymore i just pick someone well yeah because like but make it fun basically basically there was no it didn't matter what hints we had found out throughout the whole season because of the end everyone's powers got stronger so it was a complete toss-up yeah um i understand in just overall thoughts on the season that were kind of discussing now i understand that they have to make the seasons different from past seasons so it couldn't be something like they had to get out of somewhere else you know mm-hmm. they were trapped someplace like that so i think i appreciate that they tried to mix it up this that's way true. I agree. and that they tried to the ending of it fit more with the whole camp feel of it and like you know like we said the whole season kind of felt like a an 80s music video in the sense that it was like a bunch of scenes that kind of had tangential correlation to a main plot line, but maybe didn't make as much sense at the end of the day, rather than they were kind of imprints on the yeah. overall storyline, but didn't have a huge effect. Right. Um, so I'm going to make you do something really... You're going to hate me for this, but rank I'm going to make them. you do something real tough now. Yes, I'm going to make you rank the seasons. I knew you would. Um, I would rank Asylum first, because I thought about this. Asylum first... And then I was so I don't I don't because I this season I watched for a completely different reason I watched this because it was fun and silly and ridiculous and funny and I liked it for that but Murder House I watched because it was actually kind of scary at times and it was interesting and they I thought they did a good job with keeping the horror quote quota up um, so it's hard so I maybe I'll put them as a tie. Just because of, I would watch it for different reasons. Um, shoot, I, I don't I, know. I'll let you, no, no, no. You, I'm okay with that. You can do that. I'm not going to force you to place them because I. Depends I what think mood we both I'm know in. that. 
I think we both know that what you're really saying is that you would put season one second and you would put uh, this season third, but I know you just don't want to say <laughs> I that. I don't want to say so, it. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go ahead and, and let it go. Um, <laughs> I love that you knew that I was going to say that. Oh, boy. What I'm going to say is yes. I think that the way I liked the seasons has been so far season one is one, season two is in spot two, and season three is in spot three. Okay. But that's not because I think that they progressively have gotten worse. I think that they have changed and morphed with every season, and I appreciate what they've done Absolutely. The, re- the reason I like season one the best still is I think it's the most scary. It is which is what scary. we originally, Which is what originally brought us to the show in the first place. Um Yes. And so I think that's why I appreciate season one. It's, season one is just the most simple. It's, it seems like it's the most pure in its form of horror. And I appreciate how complicated and interesting the other seasons have gotten. And so I would almost, if if I was in a similar position, I, I, if I was going to rank up more similar to you, I would put Coven and Asylum very close together. Um, because I think that I liked them both, but I feel like they had some of the same problems in the way the plot kind of went, which it was like they almost got too complicated for themselves. And so they kind of had to, it would have been nice if they both, because I think Asylum could have done the same thing, trimmed a little bit of the fat and focused a little bit more on the most compelling storylines. Um, but they were both really fun, really fun experiments in, in TV. And I really yeah. enjoyed both of them. Um, and I'm super excited for what happens in season four. But Dude. before we get there, is oh, okay. is there anything you want? Is I mean, is there any last words you want to? Um, I, I would say season? it was noble of season three to tackle issues of race and gender. They always do gender, but it was nice to see them try to do race, even though I don't know what I actually learned. <laughs> well, La Lurie went to eternal hell where she was tortured. Yeah, before it, I guess. which is annoyed me obviously i i kathy bates i think was maybe wasted a little bit too a little bit wasted i only say is because her character when i was thinking about it it doesn't make sense to me why did why would again why was she dug up why was she around except to be funny she was the comic relief that being said lord knows she was goddamn hilarious i i loved kathy bates but she made no sense in this storyline at all and, well, and what a surprise that was when we were first talking about how she was going to be used and she was going to be this evil character from history. Yeah. I thought she was going to be a villain the whole time. Yeah. So she ended up being comic relief. She was it's completely hilarious. I, I, I loved that her. Was, that was a really great twist. Anyway, so that was one thing. And then one thing that I think that this season didn't do as strongly as season one and two did was, and we've mentioned this before, but the romantic relationships between characters, whether they're the same sex ones or or heterosexual ones, I cared about the ones in season one and two and what happened to that family and what happened to um, Sarah Paulson's character with her lover and, and, and Kit and uh, his two lovers. Um, that was interesting. And I believed, and I believed and, Tate and Violet. And Tate, and Tate, thank you. Yes, like, Tate, Tate and Violet. That, that, that was good. That was a way better, more complex relationship yes. than Zoe and Zoe Kyle and sucked. Kyle. And Fiona and Axeman, I, I mean, I was maybe a little more convinced on theirs, but it still was just not as... I don't know. I didn't like it as much. So that, I thought it was a all the romantic better. relationships were terrible. Yeah. Hank and Cordelia was obviously a terrible relationship yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, maybe Nan and Luke was maybe my favorite, yeah. most real relationship we had totally. in the season. Um, and the final thing was Misty. Um, I don't. I, I really. I mean, Lily Rabe was fantastic. We didn't mention her. I thought she was really good as uh, Misty. She was really. Yeah, um, I agree with that. But I think that her character. I mean, her that character arc. She was. She ends up being in hell, stuck in hell, and being punished for being like this good person. 
Like she, I, I don't know, understand that, was... that why she got that. That's just sick. I mean, they needed to get rid of her, obviously, but like, ugh. that was sad. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was kind of like what? That don't make sense. But the rules uh-huh. of American Horror Story rarely make sense, my friend, and that's why we watch. Well, and that's it. another thing. It will right, and that's another thing that like if we had gotten rid of the Kyle storyline and the Axe Man and stuff like that, we could have spent more time on Misty's backstory and yeah. evolution and stuff like that because I think there was more to talk about in that character yeah. there was more to talk yeah. about in the Madison character right. like we said there was more and there was more to explore in the Angela Bassett character there was things that could have been explored in these really interesting characters that kind of right. didn't get the time and energy they deserved because we had well, these I think you just said it there so, so the, one of the main issues with this season was too many characters too many characters too many plot lines yep. I would say alright any thought, last yeah. thoughts for you on this season Last question I had for you: What was the symbolism in um, oh boy. fashion and the the witch's obsession with fashion? I mean, obviously, you know, um, Fiona and all the other witches were into this kind of chic black and white look. But what was the deal with why was that Myrtle's thing to the point that she would yell that out right before she dies? Is it just an interesting, quirky character, or is there some? I think that's just. I mean, this sounds. I don't mean. I don't want this to come across as weird, but as that's like a gay man's. <laughs> dream you know like the uh i i uh, stereotypical i guess i should say but it's very uh you know sassy and funny and that that they care about their appearance this much i i, I thought it was just a quirky funny thing that ryan murphy may have written in there wanted that these characters to be obsessed with uh labels uh and it made it mm-hmm. more entertaining I, di- I didn't think there was a i mean also who who wants to watch a bunch of frumpy uh a tv show with a bunch of frumpy uh witches yeah, rolling around. I don't know. Well, hey, and it worked for us too because we've gone on and on about how much we like Francis Conroy's character. Yeah, as well. and the fact the, so. the ladies dressed really well. They were pretty hip. This I, I, that made it fun to see what they're wearing. Like how many how many times did we talk about the hats they were wearing. Those mm-hmm. you know conversation starters. Mm-hmm. The fashion was great. The music was great. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the camera angles. What was the thing you were going to say about uh, Gomez Rey? Oh yeah, the only I thing that kind of irks me about his style, and this is rare because i love him but uh the way he frames some of his shots um he'll put so when when you normally frame a shot when someone's speaking to another person in a room you typically have them uh there's the rule of thirds and you have them kind of edged toward one side of the camera and then a big space uh, uh in front of where their where their eye direction is looking it's called their look space and um he would have their 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 head on the opposite side of this of the frame where it's right up against the edge of the um the barrier the end of the frame where their nose would almost be touching it and so you'd see behind their head and that's that works i think when you're you know doing a horror movie when you you need to see someone that's something that's happening behind the character who's speaking but when there's nothing happening and sometimes there's a beautiful image in the background that you want to to see there but most of the time i was noticing it wasn't and uh, even sometimes he would have it where the, the head is completely down in the bottom corner talking and the, the, the rest of the frame is occupied by the, the, the big uh, space of the building uh, that whoever's speaking is sitting in. And it was just a little, it was just distracting and I, it didn't, I didn't really like that as much. It works when there's something, there's a purpose behind it, but I didn't know exactly what the purpose was. It seemed art for art's sake. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, it. That was which it. is next. 
and I don't I don't believe at all in art for art's sake. So I think that that's that's a good pickup. Good pickup. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. But now that you mention it, I can see in my mind a number of times like yeah. how frequently he does that. I could totally see that being kind of part of his style. Right. A lot of um, uh, Cordelia shots were down like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, and like, girl, I can't stand. I where you s- s- sit up straight. No one can see yeah. you. Let's remember. <laughs> but you were <laughs> you were heading down the corner of the webcam. Yeah. Um, anyway. No, but I think yeah, another another good point. And there's so much there's so much stuff we could go on and on talking yeah. about it for forever. But I think we've I mean we've covered it for a good hour and oh, Lord. minutes Sorry, at this guys. point in time. So um but thanks for you know, everyone for hanging on and, and joining us throughout this whole journey because it's been a lot of fun to talk about. All three well, the two seasons we've done, but you know, we relate back to season one too. So all three seasons so far have been a blast. And we're excited more we're super excited to join you on season four, which is the last thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um so, what do we know so far? It's set in the nineteen. It's set in nineteen fifty, and uh, exact quote from Ryan Murphy is: "If you look historically at what happened in the year nineteen fifty, there's some more clues in that year. It's a period piece. We try and do the opposite of what we've done before. Jessica Lange has already started practicing her German accent, so I'm very excited. So, what happened in nineteen fifty? This was actually picked up even before I read that piece um, from our friend Megan on Facebook, who had some really uh, insightful stuff to say about her clues for this. So she said, um, so in the episode you were, I think it was episode 11. We were looking for clues about mm-hmm. what the next one was going to be. She says in that episode, Fiona says, I took down your entire company. She's talking to the, um, witch hunters with as much effort as it takes to mix myself a red Roy. Apparently a rod Rob Roy is a cocktail named after a Scottish folk hero who had his father arrested in the basis of treason, primarily the main idea of McCarthyism. Oh, so communism. that's quite an. So that was, I mean, quite a, an obscure pickup that I would have never gotten, but like totally seems accurate. And so this is definitely, I could totally see this whole season being about Red Scare and like, um, totally. yeah, McCarthyism and who's a communist and who's not in East and West Germany and Cold War style politics and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, development of nuclear weapons. Oh, Lord. Do you think Murphy and Fauci can pull off that? I am actually super excited for it. Oh, I am too, um, but I don't know, like, historically accurate, are they going to be able to do that? So here's, well, here's what... And I what's mean, the monster going to be? What's the horror? We have, we had Asylum take place in the past. Well, see, that's the thing, is I, uh, the horror, I'm compelled about the idea of the horror being the horror in humanity, instead of being the horror of, like... An actual monster like a bloody face or witches or something more supernatural. I think that would be a unique and interesting take on it is like man being terrible to man, basically. Which, I mean, this is the part, of course, where you have the the Germans, the Stasi, the German secret police, and you know. yeah, I and I mean, you could still go above and like over the top on that to the point where it's kind of, um, you know, Tarantino esque, as you would say, like if you were watching a movie like, um, I don't know, Inglorious Bastards or something like that, where it's you know it's supposed to kind of be historically fiction based, but obviously they go above and beyond in the um, kind of the violence and stuff like that. You know, they take it to a whole new level to the point where it's a little bit more uh, surreal. You know what I mean? To make a point, basically cinematically, and I think that's totally something they could do with with this premise. And I'm really excited to see where it's going because if that is the case, that'd be super cool. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of cool stuff they could do, and 
I don't know if we have much word on who else is coming back for season four. I hope not everyone. Um, other, that sounds awful, but I hope it's a smaller cast. Yeah, no. Jessica Lang is the only one I think we know for sure, and yeah, hopefully they they parse it down a little bit and save everyone else for season five. <laughs> but uh, still super psyched for it, and we'll be doing a preview podcast next fall when it's time for that. Yeah, oh my God, I can't believe I can't believe we're just about done. Anything else you want to say to wrap that up? I wrap up every episode. Why don't you go ahead and wrap this oh, final one up? Just that I, I'm so grateful to do this show with you, Tyler. You're the shit. Uh, also, uh, to our loyal listeners, you guys mean a lot to us. Thank you so much for listening to us jabber on about uh, our thoughts on this. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, you've always been so kind on email and Facebook with us. and We just enjoy the show so much and we like to talk about it with the likes and dislikes and it's fun to know that there is other people out there are other people out there uh, like us that just geek out on TV shows like we do and movies like we do. So I hope you guys join us for whatever we with the, the our next podcast and come over to House of Cards with us too if you want to uh, spend some time more with us. Uh, but that's all I'd really like to say. I think absolutely, and I want to say the same thing that it's been a blast uh, being able to, you know. We would you and I would talk about TV shows anyway, so we just were like, why don't we go ahead and record it? And the fact that you know anyone is interested in listening and joining in the conversation with us is awesome, and we just love the whole community aspect of it and everything, and discussing things and teasing out theories with all of you. Um, but uh, we'll be back next season, and I can't wait for that. In the meantime, of course, like Chris said, join us at House of Cards, or even better, join us at Internet Saved the Video Star which will be premiering at the end of February, so keep your eyes open for that on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, to top it off, Chris, where can people uh, follow you in the meantime? Until next season. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my name is at Chris Husted, K-R-I-S-H-U-S-T-E-D, for the last time. Tyler, where are you at? I am on both Twitter and Instagram as well, at TJMoss11. I'm also on Snapchat, but I'm not giving you my name on that because I don't want to get some weird... Maybe I do want to get some. No, I don't. Nope, never mind. <laughs> Good choice. Excellent. You like choice. my Snapchats. I, I do like your Snapchats, but I don't know if everyone else would like your Snapchats. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we'll work up to that. We're getting more closer and closer to our audience, so maybe that's a season four. <laughs> um, until then, everybody, um, thanks for joining us once more, and um, happy hauntings. Bye. You could-